Hello, Jay. Why, hi there, Tyler. How are you today? I am great. I uh, was running a little bit late today, so I just housed a burrito bowl, and I'm feeling nice, all the nice. incredible side effects that might come with it. So, Oh, nice. Well, speaking great. of incredible side effects, here is a visual representation of how much of my pot of coffee I have drank yet today. That start full? And I think... And it's... I, I really... It's, oh, it started full. I appreciate the commitment to showing a visual representation of something on our audio podcast. On a That's, podcast. Yeah, very yeah, helpful. yeah. yeah. Speaking of visual representations, we have a guest here, as I'm sure everybody can tell. Yeah. Uh, we are welcoming the wonderful Reverend Cliff Haddocks. How are hey. you, sir? I, I am doing great. I am doing great. This is like the, I finished up all my important serious work for the week. And like, so like it's this podcast. I, I do have Deacons tonight, but I have this podcast and Stacking Wood. And this is a lot more fun than that. So nice. I am looking forward to this. <laughs> I'm Let's, glad that we rank above a deacon's meeting and stacking wood. Say, Absolutely. Can we, can we put a blurb out on our like channel page or something like that? Roughing the pastor, better than stacking wood. You know, Better, better than, than stacking wood. <laughs> Roughing the pastor, quite possibly, better than stacking wood. <laughs> yeah. So very quickly. So so Cliff is a, is a new guest for us, and, mm-hmm. and we have our uh, Jason's favorite thing, which is the rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. There's nothing uh, rapid about them. Let's just be honest. <laughs> They're so, just the uh, fire Cliff, questions. Before yeah. we get into it, uh, you may, if if you are of, of a certain generation and have a certain app, yeah. uh, you may have heard of, of Cliff before. Uh, Cliff, where may we have heard of you? Um, my name, my online name is Revan Geek, R-E-V-N-G-E-E-K, and I am mm-hmm. on TikTok, and mm. um, I have become, begun to be known for two things. One is a daily devotion I do called Word of the Day, which is mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. just a general. I pick a word and I talk about it and I riff about it. And some days it's, it's I mean, you all can't. Again, let's make a visual representation on a podcast. <laughs> uh, my background in the Zoom call is currently Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, and I kind of take a lot of cues from the from, from yeah. the good good Fred. Uh, so it's so it's talking about feelings and it's talking about what is it like to struggle and talking about the things that we go through in life. Um, and some days I get scriptural and get heavy, but other days sometimes just a general thing. Uh, the other thing I got known for was doing wrestling entrances into worship spaces. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that kind of became my bread and butter for a while until I ran out of the really obvious ones to do. And the other thoughtful stuff started to take off more. And I was, you know, as much as it's nice to get about a bunch of people saying, hey, the way that you came in like The Undertaker was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, it was much more meaningful to have people tell me, um, you know, I haven't felt safe in a worship space in about 20 years, but mm-hmm. for some reason I'm connecting with what you're doing. So please keep doing it. So that started to take more of my direction. I still do some fun stuff and some funny stuff. And I'll occasionally will do one of those big production type things. Um, but yeah, I definitely am having a, a, a bit of a, a, how do I say it? Like renewal of call in some of the more thoughtful stuff. Mm-hmm. I had initially thought about asking, and, and maybe we still could at a future time, of doing the theology of, of wrestling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Be- oh, I would love clearly, to do the theology of clearly wrestling. Clearly, there's a deep love to that. So oh, yeah. when you're uh, when you're not at your day job being a social media influencer, what else <laughs> what, what else do you do? Well, I, I am the pastor of Central Presbyterian Church in Dayton, Ohio. We are a uh, currently a 120s member uh, church. Uh, we are in the uh, in the neighborhood of an industrial boom and crash from years ago. Ooh, um, if you've ever seen, um, there's a documentary called The Last Truck 
and it's about the mm. closing of a GM plant at Christmas time. That mm -hmm. plant is about four blocks from my church, and you can feel still the influence of 10,000 jobs disappearing about 12 years ago in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and th there are portions of that um, that have grown back up. There, there, that, that, that factory has been chopped up and has little smaller factories in it, but it's never come back to full strength. And you can still see closed restaurants, closed gas stations all in that area. And, and But we're still doing what we feel we're called to do in that neighborhood, which is still reaching out to folks and still ministering as best we can. Um, but it is not an area that's like on the, we are not a suburbs explosion-y mega church pasture type place. We are, yeah. this is where we are and let's keep doing what we're doing. But the digital, the, the digital side of ministry has allowed for a totally new way of reaching new folk. Uh, and that's where like, I'm getting excited. I'm seeing people showing up to our TikTok live stream worship that, you know, Again, haven't been, haven't darkened a church's doorstep in twenty years, but yet here mm -hmm. they are. Um, as well as you know, just the people who do show up and for the Facebook and the YouTube and all that. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's the it's the it's the it's the non traditional folks of who you'd expect to show up on a Sunday morning that are giving me life right now. Uh, what is your Hogwarts house? Um, I'm a I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm a toiler. I'm a toiling little badger. Um, but when I go to Dragon Con. When I go to Dragon Con, I'm a Death Eater. Mm -hmm. I dress as a Death oh. Eater. Because the heroes always want to have villains to pose with. So uh, me, I made a set of four Death Eater robes for me and my friends. And we always go to the Yule Ball together as Death Eaters. And like every Harry Potter wants his picture taken laying at our feet. And every Dumbledore wants to face off with. So we get we get in all the pictures because we're willing to dress as the villains. So yeah, it, it's fun to be the villain in cosplay. That's You're great. also a good uh, fourth doctor at Dragon Con. I'm a good fourth doctor, yeah. I, and I want to, now that I have the beard, I really want to do um, a puffed out Hagrid. I want to like get Ooh, like some... yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get like some some stilts, the little like like drywall stilts and build up some shoulders in a big suit and oh, bust nice. my hair out. So You're a wizard, nice. Audrey. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Or just get a yeah. real small friend. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. I I've always I've been impressed with your fourth doctor um, scarf because I also have a fourth doctor scarf. That, that was a long uh, project. That took a long yeah. time to make, but uh, yep. th that was like a a year on and off of just like ah, I guess I'll knit tonight. Oh wow, I got through one color. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll come back tomorrow night. So for the for those who have been lost for the last three or four minutes, we're talking about the fourth Doctor Who. Yes. So this Tom, is from the from the seventies. Tom, Tom Baker. Yes. Yeah. Tom Baker uh, into the early eighties. Yes. Yes. Yep. yes. Who Tom was Baker. the longest serving? Uh, yes. Doctor for I think still I think that David Tennant did yeah. it longer, but Tom Baker is in more episodes. More episodes. Or, or yeah. Vice because versa. Yeah. because because the BBC used to crank out in that old black box TV theater style like. <laughs> countless episodes i've yeah. just recently put a bunch of the old episodes onto my plex and it's like to think of this over like 700 some episodes of doctor who when you go it's and insane. look at all of it um yeah. and yeah and around for over 50 years and yeah and that was the era that douglas adams the, to go super nerdy. oh yeah, yeah douglas adams who's the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy guy he was the showrunner for for much of that era yeah, he, he wrote well, he wrote a story arc called the key to time and it's about as Douglas Adams as you could get. I mean, it's like weird, like space pirates with space parrots on their shoulder and weird stuff. So it's delightfully weird. But yeah, yeah, it's awesome. 
What is a concert that you wish you could travel back in time to see happen live? Does it have to be music? No. I, I, I would say, yeah, the, con- the question doesn't specify. Monty Python live at the Hollywood Bowl. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Yes, That's absolutely. That'd answer. be a good one. Monty Python. I was just watching uh, a, a Michael Palin travel documentary right before. Oh, gosh, those were great. Uh, those, oh, but, they're so great. He's great. But yeah, live at the Hollywood Bowl, some of their best stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to watch it in a crowd of people that appreciate it. Yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. Very, very I, uh, solid. My answer was way back at the beginning, the rooftop concert of the Beatles and this new Get oh. Back documentary. Uh, uh, this is my open call to anyone who wants to come do the theology of the Beatles with me because it's eight hours Ooh, yeah, of just yeah. really oh, neat so stuff. We, de- we do need to do that. One. It's yeah. on my watch list. It is absolutely oh. on my watch list. It's real. It's a vibe too. Like it yep. is because it's a fly on the wall documentary. So like, just spend some time hanging out with the Beatles while they write songs. Like mm-hmm. it is. It's a. It's a real. It, I. I. I'm only done the first episode because I. I realize you kind of have to be in the right space for it like you watch it but you also like experience it it's yeah. really it's really yeah cool. it's yeah. it's super wild having been in a whole bunch of bands in my life to watch the beatles who i like they're the beatles they act like every band i've ever been in like it just goofing yeah. off and being ridiculous and it's it's wild it's totally they're also wild. 29 yeah when they're doing yeah. that yeah they're, and they're way less dysfunctional than the narrative we have been told. Yep. Like they, they, they didn't break up because they hated each other. They just kind of completed being the Beatles. Yeah, they like were they had, they were just too big. They had too many ideas for this band. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. Okay, uh, what? Who's your favorite superhero? Oh gosh! Wow. See this this change. I I, I mean I I hate to be a total. Marvel fanboy, but it's it's a tie between Captain America and Iron Man. Um, Iron Man because he's a redemption story. Mm. He's a guy that's got to wrestle with his brokenness and come to peace with it to be better afterward. And as we saw in the movie arc, um, ultimately saves the day not through power but through sacrifice, which yep. is huge. Um, yep. Captain America because he was he was the the hero. He just didn't have the muscles. You know that that, that the whole thing is. If we had put this serum in anybody else, they would have become a villain. But because yeah. he was a good person, he became a hero. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So the, 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 they're they're my favorites. I I, I have t shirts for each of them. But uh, I used to back in the day. I was always about Batman. But I guess I grew out of that angsty phase. And now mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of I I kind of like my my heroes broken and rebuilt in a little different way. I we uh, I think it got cut out of a previous episode, but I had long been hardcore Batman, and yeah. then after a rewatch uh, just last year yeah. or earlier this year of the MCU, I switched my allegiance to Captain yeah. America as my favorite yeah. favorite superhero. Cap yeah. is closing in on Superman for me. I saw a tweet the other day that said gearing up for this new uh, Batman movie that's coming. They're like, I'm just yeah. so over seeing a billionaire beat people up. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't need to see that anymore. You know, like I'm well, over I, it. I think I think that also the DC universe versus Marvel universe, and this could be a whole other podcast, um, suffered from the oversaturation of DC had the same five heroes we knew and knew well, yep. um, and didn't quite. And when they find the Justice League, okay, they're the same ones we've always known, um, you know, from Super Friends iteration to the darker stuff. Okay, yeah. it's the same five ones. It's the same five. Okay, you threw in Cyborg. Yeah. Okay, there's one maybe people haven't heard of as much. Uh, but you left yeah. out Green Lantern, who was always my favorite You know, as a kid, too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Marvel's like, hey, let's go explore some of these other ones that are a little more broken and do some stuff that 
take us to some places people haven't seen. And like, I can remember when I first announced they were going to do Black Panther, and everyone's like, "Who?" And I'm like, "You guys just don't know." I mean, like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. they are they are mining some some deep. Deep. Or Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah, what, same thing. What a deep cut on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they were the, they were the laughing stock of the comic world back in the day. But yeah. like, Faggy and and uh, Favreau, they knew what they were doing. They mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. were fans, so they knew mm-hmm. they and they knew how to treat it. And and fortunately, the suits stayed enough hands off to let them do the do it the right way, which mm-hmm. Warner Brothers never did. The suits were too actively involved and in making them try to catch up too fast and. Yeah, that's why the DC the, universe the meta narrative of the MCU is one of the greatest like successes of oh, yeah. corporate storytelling in the oh, yeah. past like fifty. Oh, if only Star Wars had that. Level yeah, of yeah, I know. Focus. So, so I used I used this analogy just the other day in one of my TikTok lives. People were asking me about, um, abs- you know, why 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 do we teach the whole Bible? Like like because they were brought up on a thing of like. We, we focus more on the New Testament instead of the Old Testament. And my answer was, um, you can watch Infinity War and Endgame and be fine. And those are yep. the only two Marvel movies you ever watch. Yep. 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 But you'll have no idea what some of the nuance is going on. Because they do a great job of retelling the story enough that if that was your first and second movies you watched, you would still be entertained. You yep. would still you know think, oh my goodness. But like unless you've seen all the other movies to flush it out and now that we have all the other marvel stuff that helps flush it out more like it didn't occur to me until i saw wandavision that when scarlet witch shows up on the battlefield to face thanos when she drops at his feet she saw vision die about five minutes ago oh yeah and she's and like i'm like she's gonna kill him she's gonna kill him right now because she is in the most raging horrible place and then we get to see through WandaVision how she deals with that grief, um, which you know, and that's the other thing. MCU movies are never about superheroes. They are other movies that superheroes happen to be in. They yep. are movies mm-hmm. about grief. They are mm-hmm. movies about they are heist movies, or they are mysteries, mm-hmm. or they are um, about you know failure, about rising to the occasion, and they just happen to have superheroes in them. Yeah. That's what makes them work. Um, so whereas the DCs, it's almost like the yeah, well, like like a good horror movie mm-hmm. is not about horror mm-hmm. it's about trauma or yep. about whatever i mean like midnight mass is a great example when oh my like, gosh horror. Oh, it's, like, could, it's not oh. even horror midnight yeah. mass is not horror like there's yeah. so little blood in that in that for i mean it's very <laughs> wait until but but that i mean because of that genre you can talk very specifically about uh-huh. this religious trauma and mm-hmm. kind of and and i love that it's not necessarily antagonistic towards religion that's a whole other podcast anyway yeah uh, but but then there's just slashers that are just garbage, and so yeah. I, f- and, which are just about the visceral experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like the DC movies have largely been slashers, mm-hmm. and the MCU movies have largely been a movie like movies like Get Out, where it's yeah. like it's a horror movie, but it's really about this other thing. Like it's a superhero movie, but that's just a an entry point into this larger. It's about community and relationships. So there's so there's a definite switch. And wow, we can go down a rabbit hole and a half here on yep. horror because yeah, I love nothing to talk rapid too. about the rapid fire question. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so rapid. one of the how one quickly of we the, get off task. That's one of the wonderful things about these new the, these trips I have made into into online media and digital exploration is I've gotten to know some really neat people. And one of the neat people I've gotten to know over the years is Mick Strawn. And I don't know if you know who Mick is. 
Mick was the art director for Friday the Thir- no, not Friday the 13th, for Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. He did all the art direction for those. He's also responsible for they brought him in to save Mortal Kombat. He's the one that interjected the scorpion fight scene. That wasn't ah. in there. He he staged and created that whole fight that's on all that scaffolding because they realized that it, it, it wasn't action-y enough, so they brought him in to do that. He is also the art director for the uh, the Corman Fantastic Four movie from back in the Ooh. 80s oh, yeah, and yeah, 70s. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so Mick, Mick is a really neat interview. Um, yeah. But one of the things he talked about was like, the, the, the point at which horror changed where all of a sudden people were no longer cheering for the the quote-unquote good guys, they were now yeah. cheering for the villain. Mm. Yep. So like that, and that type of movie leans into, I want to have the visceral experience of seeing people I don't like get obliterated, yeah. which is a Georgia much Bond. different thing from, I want to know how these people are going to get out of this. How are mm-hmm. they going to get mm-hmm. out of this horrible predicament? Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, th- that was the whole thing with, um, with you know, and I don't want to give anything away, but with, with, Black, with, with, with Midnight Mass, I'm like, how are they going to resolve this? Are, yeah. Can they resolve this? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Oh, I'd love to deep dive that one with you because oh, yeah, Midnight I, Mass. Yeah, we. I love Midnight Mass. Jason, have you finished that yet? I have not. That's that's on my okay, list. Okay, okay, yeah. That's why we haven't done it yet. Yeah. I will uh, also say about Midnight Mass that someone in it writing that the, the I, I can't remember the name. I I hate that I can't remember the name of the guy that wrote that, but um, he also of course did the Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. That guy's got some experience in recovery because there is way oh, yeah, too much does. good he treatment. Doctor Sleep too. Have you seen yeah, Doctor? Sleep? I haven't seen Doctor Sleep. Sleep. It's on my. Agenda. Oh, Doctor Sleep is excellent. But it is. But treats the treats the subject of recovery so well yep. and so lovingly, and still playing with it and making it a, a, a tension in all of those. That like, yeah, the, 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 there's so many different things that can be explored when you do it well, and that yep. did it well. And it that takes the time too. Like you oh, get yeah. three or four episodes in where nothing really is happening. I was and then so all of a sudden everything starts happening. Yeah, I, I, so some of my horror fans were like, "There's so much talking." I'm like, "This, but the talking is amazing. This is That's great. Point, yeah. This is great conversation." Favorite Beetle. Favorite Beetle, George. Mm. And I'll say that because, and this leads. Uh, I, I I guess it's the helper in me. George, George, George is the helper of the Beatles in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's adding the guitar, you know. He he sings a few of the songs, but he's he's more than happy to let you know John and Paul be out there in front. Uh, not quite the backbone the way Ringo is because he's the beat, but he's the helper, and and I and I love that about George. I've always loved that. You about see him. you see that a lot in the. I was gonna say, in the movie yeah, when when yeah. George spoiler alert George leaves for a little bit and to watch the other Beatles react to that. They know yeah. that like mm. that's the soul of the band walking out the door, and they yeah. they can't well, just. And the whole scene where where Paul's trying to write the song and George is like, "I'll just I'll do whatever you want. Like, yeah. just tell yeah. me what to do." Yeah. yeah. All right. These are uh, this is controversial. So yeah. like we don't need to unpack these. This is just like you're okay. taking a fundamental statement. Is a yeah. hot dog a sandwich? Uh yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. What is yeah. your favorite Christmas carol and or favorite Christmas song? Ooh. Happy Christmas! Mm, yeah, Happy I know Christmas. we're going rapid fire, but let me just interject for a moment of gloating. Nope. Uh, Tyler, how you doing in Whamageddon? Oh, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I uh, are you out? I fell, I fell victim. I fell oh. victim to yeah. our friend Carl. Which, truth be told, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, someone, someone sent it to you. 
Yes. What do you yeah. mean that someone that that sniping is sniping should be banned. Sniping it be, should but not it's be not. allowed. I don't know if you realize this, Cliff, but I immediately after that texted you and tried to snipe you with it. Did yeah. you watch oh, that video? Apparently oh no, no, I. I'm very dubious of any video anyone sends me. Uh, yeah, because yeah. it was yeah, he it was it was my trusting friend Carl who has been on the podcast. He sent it to both Jay and I, yep. and and Jay it, and lined it up Tyler. really nicely. Yeah, really nicely though, because he was like, "Hey, I want to be on the podcast again. Here's some, or I would love to come back on if you need yeah. if you're looking for guests. Here are three different topics, and the third one was and cat videos like this, and it just says. The, the label on it was just a normal cat video. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And at first I hadn't even re- read it. Like I responded, I was like, sounds great. And then I realized like, oh, I said sounds great. And I didn't even look at the video. Looked at the video. It was last Christmas. By, oh, by no. Brilliant. Worse than a Rick roll. Worse than a Thank Rick yeah, roll. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. So I had a, Thank you, to, Carl. I had avoided it. Jay, have you gotten hit? No. No. Uh, Cliff, have you gotten hit? I haven't got hit yet. Last year I was out on the third. I got out fast last year. Yeah, yeah. last year I got out yeah. real early. I was nervous yeah. this year. I was waiting for somebody at a coffee shop, and like wonderful Christmas time came on, and I went, "Oh no, yeah. I'm in a place that could potentially." I haven't heard. Yeah. I haven't heard wonderful Christmas time yet. The uh, just d- clarity to, in case we haven't explained, it's you just have to go from December first to December twenty fifth without hearing the song "Last Christmas" as performed by Wham. Right, George mm-hmm. Michael's band. If it's ha- a cover, you're fine. Have, have but you as heard? Soon as you recognize that you've heard it, then you're out. Have you heard the fan, the wonderful fan theory about what wonderful Christmas time is all about? That it's a pagan ho- a ritual. Yes, yes. A bunch of <laughs> people are walking in on a group of witches that are having a, 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 a yeah. And <laughs> oh no, we're simply having a wonderful Christmas time in here. <laughs> I do. Uh, so, if we're discounting sniping, I uh, I was safe until yesterday. Okay. Yesterday, I actually did hear it, and I thought I have stayed off of XM Holly because mm. uh, because it will play. Like I usually listen to XM Holiday Traditions because it's only stuff from like the fifties and before. Yeah. And uh, and that's where I and I I consciously have been avoiding it. And then I thought I'm just gonna flip through. And I yeah. flipped through, and the title came up before the song was. Oh played. no! And I saw it. I was like, huh! and I could, and I tried to change it away, and I heard like three notes. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, dun, dun. I'm gone. I'm yeah. gone. So I did it to myself as of yesterday. Yeah. So yeah. my and my big thing is that once to make it continue to be fun. Once you've been gotten, you just keep track of at the end. Like yeah. if we were all to get out, you just keep track of how many times you've been out, and then it's yeah. then it's just yeah. like dodgeball. Yeah. Uh, what is um. Uh, what Christmas movie do you not like that everybody else likes? Gosh, I like all the Christmas movies for the most part. I'll, I'll say I have no use for the Hallmark brand of Christmas movie. Oh. I just, I, I'll just say that whole, that whole woman is unsatisfied with going out and chasing her dream, and now she's going back to her hometown and meets a guy who makes, who repurposes Goodwill furniture. And you know, and and the snow falls, and now she's learned the true meaning of Christmas by giving up her financial independence. Um, yeah, I, I have no use for that. I, I have wanna, none. I was thinking about this the other day. I want to be in the pitch meeting for some of these, where the writer or whoever tries to make it sound like an original idea, right? Like, okay, hear yeah. me out. Something we've never done before. This time it'll be in Arkansas. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think those pitch meetings are similar to the Doctor Who pitch meetings in the 1970s, where it's just yeah. like, what's the monster? This? Okay. Oh, we got yeah. a rich lady? Who's she fall in love with this time? Santa Claus. Wait, yeah. no, not Santa Claus. Actual, like, Santa Claus's son. Okay, yeah. where okay. we go? Yeah. 
Yeah. Sure. What 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 line from a Christmas Carol can we turn into the title, and then we'll just figure it out. Yeah. Exactly. I, so I would agree that I have no no business with those previously, but as of this year, I'm all in on watching them as terrible things. I watched oh. I watched one with, with my friend the other day, and it was so great. It was what, great to watch it as a terrible movie. We watched yeah. one called Christmas Catch. It was terrible, and it was so <laughs> terrible. It was amazing. I, if and that the, movie doesn't amount, take place on a crab boat, I have no use for no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> it was about it was it was a cop who caught. Uh, like literally, she fell off a ladder and was caught by a criminal, but then she falls in love with the criminal. It turns out the criminal's not a criminal. But the amount of <laughs> Christmas trees—if you took a drink every time you saw a Christmas tree, you would be drunk in ten minutes. Like it was—it <laughs> was insane. It was like the—they they didn't think that you would believe that it was actually taking place at Christmas. Every room you walked into was so decorated for Christmas. It was insane. It was—it was—it was a delight to watch. I highly but recommend watching. It's all—it's a, all it's a whole industry now, though. Yeah, it oh, really yeah. is oh, yeah. a whole industry. All right, final controversial question. Final question of the rapid fire. Yes or no answer. Yes or no answer. Yeah, let's not expound upon this at all. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Tyler. I'm Jay. And I'm Cliff. And this is... is Roughing the Master. Yay. (laughs) I didn't say it. Zoom like grows up. So I will ask real quick, are both of you of the opinion it is a Christmas movie? Of course it's a Christmas movie. I, I, I still think I'm not allowed to play, because here's, a, for, for those uninitiated with the podcast, if the main character isn't wearing tights and a cape, chances are I haven't seen the movie. I okay. still have seen not Die seen Die Hard. Oh my god! Oh, you haven't. Like never. My wife hasn't. My wa- my wife hasn't either. And uh-huh. I keep telling her yeah. she needs to watch it. And I've just about got her convinced. But I know that she's going to get to pick the next five movies after I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the reason. The reason I. The reason that I. And, and someone else said this. I didn't think of it. And I don't know who it was. I saw on my Facebook feed pointed out that. That movie, everyone says, well, you could use any situation. It doesn't have to be Christmas. I'm like, no. Christmas is the setup. For yeah. only the executives to be in the building for yeah. an exclusive party, yeah. everybody else is off duty, yep. and everyone's yep. everyone's defenses are down because of it. Yep. And it opens the line for it's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles. Yep. You know, yep. it, it it it. it I'm not saying it spreads Christmas spirit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like but it's integral to the plot. It is integral to the plot. Yes, yeah. and to yeah. the and to, and I would also argue this this goes a little bit uh, a good ways, but integral to the score. Oh but yeah, the musical score is yeah. constantly Christmas music. Uh, the the soundtrack is Christmas music. Like you could, yes, you could do that movie not in Christmas. It's called Die Hard Three. Yeah. Die Hard with a Vengeance. But yes, you can. Uh, uh, but um, the the first movie, the plot in and of itself, yeah, is centered around Christmas. Yeah, you could change yeah. it, but you but but yeah. you didn't. Like it's more of a Christmas movie than It's a Wonderful Life. I have heard a fan theory, and I do not know if this is true. That the original Die Hard script was originally meant to be a Spider-Man movie, and that it got reworked to be Die Hard, 
because there's so because there's all the sneaking around the building and on the outside of the building he swings off the edge and smashes in through a window oh i do, this is a fan theory i heard years ago and huh. i've not so been able to I, track down a substantiate to it i would but, even though this is not the point of the of the podcast what i i would say that that's probably not true because it's based on a book Oh, okay. Uh, that, okay. That is actually called Die Hard uh, oh, okay. by Roderick Thorpe. And and it You was, know more about this movie I than know. I do. Well played. It's also that that character of John McClane is in another book that was made into a movie starring Frank Sinatra. And so and and that was made in like the 60s. And Frank Sinatra had in his contract that if they ever made a sequel, he would get first rights of refusal. So when they started in the mid 80s oh to put Die gosh. Hard together, they had to get Frank Sinatra to sign off on saying, I don't want to be in this movie. I want wow. I want I want one day in the alternative universe where Frank Sinatra plays John <laughs> <Yeah>. McClane. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, who was like in his mid 70s at that yes, point. Yes. Yeah. So we're all pastors. Our job yep. is inherently relational, as we've mm-hmm. talked about on the podcast before. Uh, a relational job meaning that our our product, we have no product. We, we produce many things, but ultimately we are in the business of creating relationships, relationships with people, relationships between people and other people, and relationships between people and God. And relationships are almost impossible to quantify. There are, you can, you can see examples of, how, of relationships working but in, in terms of measuring and, and providing a metric or assessing how a relationship is going, it's incredibly difficult. And so as a result, we do a lot in our job where we work really hard and we do a thing, and then it's hard to see kind of what we've done. Hmm. I often equating it as uh, planting, we're planting seeds to trees that we will never see grow into trees. We may see them sprout. We may see them grow into saplings and things like that. We may even live long enough to have seen kind of the, the beginnings of the trees that they become, but we won't see them fully flourish. And you have to kind of be satisfied with that. And so as a result of that, uh, Cliff and I were talking about some of the things that we tend to do. Uh, I've said on the podcast before how much I love, love is the wrong word, how much I really appreciate mowing the lawn hmm. because it is a task that I can see exactly what I'm doing what I have done and what I have left to do. And when I'm done with that job, I know that I'm like, I, it is very clear. The assessment is there. The job is completed. And I know I'm going to have to do it again in like a couple weeks or, or maybe like six months if it's, if it's the winter, but it has a beginning, middle and end. And so little in ministry has that, that it can become exhausting, which led us to, uh, something that, um, we realize that as pastors, we tend to, people have different ways in which they, uh, cope is the wrong word, but in different ways in which they kind of satisfy that part of them that needs to have, um, needs to have a, a, some completion. Uh, and it led us to the idea of making things. Mm-hmm. Creation. Yeah. Yeah. So Cliff, what does that look like for you? Um, I am someone who, will get lost down a rabbit hole of how does someone do that or how did they get that how did they make that and how can i like i'm we, we've talked so much about some of these movies we love like i will watch a making of documentary mm-hmm. uh of like behind the scenes um and love things like oh how did they get this prop how did they do this thing and you know have always enjoyed 
being able to craft something with my hands um, and and have it be finished. Um, I've gotten into woodworking over the years. I, I do a lot of woodworking and have been lucky and fortunate and blessed that in almost every church I've ever been a pastor of, there's at least one really serious woodworker in it <laughs> and with a, with a shop that loves to show the shop off right. and would love to have me come by and help them do something or, or, or have me make something there. So like, I've always like made stuff around Christmas time. I've made presents for people. I've made Lego tables and I've made um, uh, jewelry boxes and I've made uh, all kinds of stuff that, that's like really hearty and tangible. But then I started getting into more like detail stuff. I, I, I like to, to craft um, you know, like I, I've gotten into like 3D printing and prop making and stuff like that. So uh, like behind my little screen here, I showed Tyler earlier. So my 3D printer is hiding back there. <laughs> it's uh, mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna get fired up here because I've got Christmas stuff coming up and I've got some stuff I want to make for some people uh, that's around their interest. You know, so yeah. First of all, that was really trippy because you just like pulled the curtain back on the on the uh, Mister Rogers set <laughs> in a way that was like disturbing to me. Yeah. Uh, but but so like but that was something I made too. That screen was yeah. something I made. I needed it for the pandemic. I went and learned again, how to make a green screen. So I went again and made to visually it. to visually bring everybody and we're on Zoom call. Uh, Cliff is sitting on the set of Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, yeah. but really it's just a green screen like virtual background. But it looks really crisp, and he just and it's a curtain that he just pulled back, and it was very disorienting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, I was I struggled. But so this is a question kind of based in my current situation, but I, I think creators have been there a lot, and I think it's a neat space. What, like take woodworking, woodworking for example. When you are in the shop, and there's nothing, that, like but a pile of wood sitting in front of you. Like, is the idea? Does the idea start there? Do you ever just go in the shop and like, hey, I'm gonna fool around until something happens, or does that creative process take place somewhere else with like pen and paper? What What's the genesis of a good project for you? Usually for me, um, so like my one of my love languages is, is the giving of gifts. Hmm. So I often think about who is this for? If it's not for me, I think of who is this for and what would they appreciate and what would have meaning for them. Hmm. Um, so like the one year I made for my wife and for my uh, and for my sister-in-law and a few other folks, uh, I had made music boxes that played a specific song that was meaningful to them. Mm. So like I I'm like I want I want a music box, so I research the design, I research the build and then I go start looking at what supplies I have that work and what wood have I got that works and then I'll I'll work from there. Um, now the other way though, I, I totally hear you. I've gone the other way too where I'm like, okay, I've got all this stuff here. What can I make of this? And so one year I I noticed I had a bunch of 1 to 1 and a half foot like two inch by two inch blocks i was like well i guess everybody's getting harry potter wands for christmas <laughs> so i i stuck it on a lathe and i turned down and like i went and looked at uh pictures from the movies and tried to generally shape to give them handles and and curvature and all that stuff and you know i'm like you know there's it, it goes both ways but um and, but yeah there is something very satisfying about you know, watching it develop. I don't know if you've done any lathe work, but like when the wood is spinning and you're chipping away just a little, just a little, and you're shaving it and shaping it, and and, and as it takes that from going from being that bumpy, bat, 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 just that smooth shaving sound, and you're watching it come fully into fruition because you can't you can't force it. 
You can't right. for that, that. That's something mm-hmm. about that's something about wood. Um, a woodworker that I've known for a long time said to me, "You got to make friends with it." Mm-hmm. because it won't do anything it's not meant to do. If you try to push wood past what the grain of it will allow, not only might you destroy it, you might get hurt. You know, yeah, you, right. you, 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 you do have to very carefully look at what your materials are and make certain you're not trying to force something past what is doable and safe. Um, and, yeah, so I, I, I do enjoy those trips to the to the the stash i've got and say well what can i make of this you know one year i had a i had a a four by four like long long four by four and i was like like Mm -hmm. like a like a mailbox post like what can i do out of this so um i did some digging online and found a way to superimpose pictures on the wood so i chopped them up to make four by four blocks and for my uh I put images of all the nieces, ne- all the, every member of the family was a block, mm. and then I gave them to those family members. So they have all six. It's like a movable collage of pictures that they can stack up that that change around. And you know, it came from a it came from a cheap four by four. But you know, just oh, what can we do with this? You know, and yeah. Did you was it a, like a laser engraver? How did you do? No, that? no. You oh, this is actually a very simple process, and you can totally do this. Anybody can do this. You get a piece of wood, get it good and smooth, and then you go get a laser printer, laser printer style ink. You can't use just a home printer. It's got to be laser printer. Print it off on paper, and then you get um, a medium gel like you would use when you lay down a base coat before doing oil painting. Yep, yep. And then you slap that image ink side down on it, smooth it out, let it dry for 24 hours. Get a wet rag and begin to rub it on top where the paper is, and you dissolve mm-hmm. the paper. It mm-hmm. leaves the ink embedded in the medium, and then you just kind of smooth it over, and you mod podge on top of it to make it slick, and you have this rustic, like weathered look of a picture embedded in wood. Is it too late to place Christmas orders with you? Can you get <laughs> things shipped out to me by? I mean, the thing with it is, is it is a messy and long process. Yeah. My wife was ready to kill me the year I did that <laughs> because our our kitchen was covered with just balled up liquefied paper for where I had rubbed this off. And, <laughs> and a couple of them didn't work right on the first try, and I had to go back. And when you do, this is a 36 to 48-hour commitment to do this the right mm, way. Yeah. So you're, you're doing a stage, you're doing a stage, you're doing a stage. This is not something easily mass-produced. Um, now, there are out there laser engravers that could totally do this. It'd be a black-and-white image. Um, but then, you know, I, I showed my 3D printer back here. There's also a 3D printing style where you can take a picture and print it vertically, and it looks like nothing until the light is behind it, and then oh, it man. takes it takes yeah, shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's called lithograph or whatever. But um, but yeah, and so like uh, those are the things I love. Something that's kind of unassuming that you wouldn't expect, but it connects to the family. Um, or connects to an experience. I'm going to trust that my brother-in-law is not going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> so I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm making for him this year. So my brother-in-law has climbed Mount Rainier twice. Nice. So I have, I, I've, I've found an STL, which is the name for a 3D printable file of Mount Rainier, and I want to print him a little miniature Mount Rainier. 
that will put the dates that he climbed Mount Rainier at the bottom. And so he can have a little conversation piece that he can put out on his desk or whatever. What's that? Oh, that's Mount Rainier. Did I mention I've climbed it twice? You know, so, so yeah, so I'm always like trying to find something that makes for the person and makes sense for them. Um, So, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, it, it, Christmas is especially the time that I really enjoy making. I enjoy baking. I enjoy creation. Um, but yeah, I, I love the, I love the potential of anything being possible in this moment, especially. And I get, and, and I know I'm about to, to to give you a serotonin rush with this phrase, and no one can look at me and say we've never done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love being able to say, "Oh, well, I want to try and see if this works." And there's times it doesn't. There's plenty. Right. I've had I've had plenty of chunks of wood that just went in the burn pile because nope, that that wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to work. Um, <clears throat> I have pieces I've printed off for 3D printing that like, nope, this will be a test for sanding and painting later. It didn't turn out right, or it peels up from the edge and it doesn't work right. Um, I've got projects I've started that. Are going to take years to complete, but I'll get back to them eventually. But I, I like having different things I can go and try to work toward accomplishing them. Like the we referenced the Doctor Who scarf. You know that was an off and on thing, and once it was done, oh, I, I wear that any excuse I can. You know, I wear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I do wear the costume, but I also just wear it in the winter. You know, I people are like, what's up with the huge scarf? And those yeah. that know, no. Those that yeah. know know, and that's fun. That's fun when somebody recognizes it. Um, that's how my, mine is just a scarf. Like, yeah. it's, I yeah. I have not been enough places to to wear it as cosplay. Yeah. Leaning into that though, how so part of making, yeah. which which kind of a, a huge part of making yeah. is making things that don't work. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. How do yeah how how does that fit into your process? How do you feel when things don't work? Like how and how have you come to terms with that? I imagine that that's probably an evolution of. Especially learning new tasks and and, fi- and innovating things. It it depends on a how close I am to the deadline. Yeah. Um. If like when I when I the the project I did I talked about before when I was rubbing off the paper, when like huge pieces of the image peel off, and it's December twenty third. That's a very <laughs> different feeling than that happening in November. Yeah. Um. So yeah, my wife always is like, don't put it off to the last minute. You know come on now um and especially if it's a messy one another year i did tie-dyed t-shirts for every niece and nephew in the family they each got a custom tie-dyed t-shirt and um or dress or some type of like really intricate thing (laughs) and here's all these you know piles of 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 fabric that are drying in ziploc bags all over the house and she's just like okay you got to stop doing this in December. This is you could have been doing this in the summertime, or this stuff could have been outside. And I'm like, I know, I know, and that is that is a constant battle for me. It's not putting it off too late. Um, but yeah, the 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 the, the, the just completely um, anything is possible, and sometimes the mistake will lead to a discovery of something I wasn't expecting. Uh, that that hey, this works too. It's where the slinky came from. It's where silly putty came from. You know, those were both mistakes. Um, the, the 3M post-it notes. Um, but you, uh, just, you know, and sometimes it, the, the mistake teaches you not to make that mistake again. Um, I was, you know, the so the the things that I, the, 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 um, 
the Plex server I mentioned before, where I have all the media in my house. I don't have DVDs and Blu-rays out in my house. When we moved, I said, I am not putting these back on blue sh- on shelves. I am digitizing every one of these. They are going to be on a Plex server, so I can just watch them whenever I wanted. And when I uh, went to flash the media for my Linux machine that was going to run it, um, I accidentally flashed the wrong drive. Uh, I'm actually holding the drive I flashed by accident. Uh, this is my entire uh, music production library. Um, and I accidentally flashed it and destroyed it. So I had to re-download all of my software and all of my sound oh. effects and everything. Uh, it was a three-day process of rebuilding it. Uh, fortunately, I did have some backups. But it was kind of like, well, I've learned not to do make that mistake again. Uh, don't be, be careless. Know what your tools are. Know what they will do. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't like a woodshop mistake where you lose a finger. Uh, so <laughs> I was happy with that. Um, but, you know, I learned how to do it, and the funny thing was that taught me a process I later used when I did my uh, started building my retro game machine. You know, I learned how to do uh, how to flash drives and how to work in Linux and all that. So it just built. I love when something can build on the next thing I want to do. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, the the phrase that's been in my head a little bit. And I don't know if this is as true with woodworking. I, it might be able to tell, but like nothing is wasted. You know? Yeah, like. Uh, there was a riff that I was writing for a long, 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 like years. I've just had this riff sitting in the corner and it didn't become a song until, you know, a year or so ago. And like, otherwise I would have just chucked it under the assumption, like it's not working. It didn't, nothing's coming together, but then it shows up later. Like, is that still true of woodworking? Like, like, Oh yeah. I screwed this up, but that might turn into something further down the road. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, 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 and it can always, you can always use a piece of wood to test out a stain hmm. or to test out a piece of paint. Because the last thing you want, and, and I will be honest, I mean, I love making, but the the finishing part of woodworking terrifies me to this day. <laughs> you know, you've put all this work, you've put hours, yeah. days, weeks into a project, and now you've got this can of stain or oil or whatever. I am so terrified that this is where I screw the whole thing up and ruin it. Um, so yeah, to have that scrap piece of oh well, here's this piece I cut off from over there. It's exactly the same wood, so I know how it will look. So I can practice before I go to the big thing. Um, and at the end of the day, I have a fireplace. So if all else <laughs> fails, I've got kindling. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there's 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 always that, and um, and. and <laughs> Or I've got like a piece of bracing that can be inside something else that can that can serve that purpose. Um, but yeah, there's always yeah. I, I'm not big on throwing stuff. Away. My wife will tell you I'm not big on throwing stuff away uh, <laughs> to my detriment. I like many men have my big box of wires and adapters that are two like Nokia phones from 15 years ago that I should have thrown away. But oh, might need it one day. <laughs> <laughs> you never know; it could come I around. Just, I just recently threw off, threw away a bunch of uh, iPhone boxes. Yeah, because it's just such a, an elegant design. It feels <laughs> yep. like we should keep it, but yep. like I, I really like I could not come up with any reason why I still have yeah. it. But I had yeah. like four or five of them. And I just yeah, yeah I mean, I've got all my I've got all my iPhones. <laughs> I use all of yeah, them yeah. in video production. So like I'll yep. I'll set three iPhones up in a room and have them all <laughs> videotaping simultaneously and edit them together later. Mm-hmm. They're great mm-hmm. cameras. They do they the really job. Are. And, uh, they really are. Yeah. And great so. media players, too. If, oh, you know, absolutely. Like the battery starts to wear out, but it'll still plug in. You can yep. still... Yep. I have an iPod that I still... That, that has a, a, a battery life of, like, maybe 30 minutes. Yeah. But if you plug it in, it's great. Yeah. 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 
what uh so uh kind of uh print part of the initial concept of this is like making as a particularly again us as pastors in a relational setting um that making can be uh an outlet to kind of a muscle that we don't always get to yeah. to exercise how did you did was making things a response to ministry was make was uh, was it something that you had already done like have you become more of a maker as you've gotten into it like how have, how does that I, fit into your life now i've always been fascinated with hands on crafting and creating even as a little mm-hmm. kid mm-hmm. like when we when we had the wood crafting section of uh, back at back in the day when we still called it junior high, um, mm-hmm. our school had a six week rotation of woodworking, cooking, sewing, mechanical drawing. Um, oh, and what were the other two? I can't remember what the other two were, but the cooking, the sewing, and the woodworking. I still use things I learned in all three of those classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know how to make an omelet today because Mrs. Brown in eighth grade taught me how to make a proper omelet, and I still use that method all these years later. Um, nice. I learned how to follow a recipe, and because of that, I've never been terrified to learn how to cook. Um, sewing, you know, like I said, I've, I've made costumes. I make simple stuff. I've learned how to knit. And again, when it's done, you're like, oh, my gosh, this thing. This thing mm-hmm. I have, uh, this unique thing, um, you know, uh, and, and and you don't. I don't want to be like it's a braggy moment, but there is. I love the wonder on someone's face when they say, "Where did you buy that?" And mm-hmm. I say, "I made it," and they're like, "Because yeah. because it is kind of a lost art. Making things yeah. is such a lo- because we live in such a disposable. Just go buy it off Amazon world. I had made a bow tie with the PCUSA seal on the fabric. Um, that I still sometimes wear. And I was at a conference. Where did you get that? I made it. And they're like, yeah. You, you mean I can't it. buy it? I'm like, I'm like, and like, could I pay you to make one? And I'm like, and, and again, just like you said before, for the Christmas presents, I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I, I have a full time job, and this was <laughs> a, this was a passion project I did that took several days. I don't think I could turn it around fast enough that like it would make sense for me to sell that. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, uh, then I would get in trouble because I did go to the PCUSA. I asked for permission to use the seal. They informed mm-hmm. me as long as I was using it myself for something I made, it was fine. But if I sold anything, and there are people out there that don't take this extra step, and one of the days they're going to get themselves in trouble, <laughs> um, you, they can come knocking if you use that seal without their permission if you sell something with it on it. Mm. Um, so I have, the PCUSA is nothing if not litigious. Exactly. So. Exactly. And, and I... <laughs> I have a good friend of mine who does woodworking of the seal, and he has all his ducks in a row with them, and it's fine. But there are mm-hmm. other people out there I know that do not, and they are living dangerously, and that's <laughs> that's on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, part of that it brings to mind the the I feel like we have commodified our time mm-hmm. uh, in, in a way that it is that idle time is not allowed. Mm-hmm. But but we found ways to fill that time rather than to be productive with that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you so so it's easier to buy something on Etsy than to make it yourself, because mm-hmm. then that gives us more time to do all these other activities, whether it's social media or watching more movies or or going and doing more things like that. 
that we fill up our time, but uh, we have downplayed the idea of making things because mm-hmm. things can be made for us. Yeah. So we've lost the sense that it's it's a weird combination of like our time is so valuable that we can't waste it by doing productive things with it because mm-hmm. someone else can do that for us. And we've but, lost the sense of of, of doing. But you're tap you're tapping right into the vein of why I do make presents for people, mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. understand I put the time in because I care about them having something that was made by me. Um, mm-hmm. I have like in the very next room, I have a lion puppet that my grandmother made when I was a kid for me, mm-hmm. and I've still got it. You know. Mm-hmm. There are puppets anywhere in the world that you could buy for $25. But I know that she made that one for me. So that has a special place. And it it was made out of love. It was made by her hands. She did the work to make it happen. That has value way beyond any, you know, any Kermit replica or whatever it could have. When, when you know, my... Um, when my nieces or nephews play at the at the Lego table that's in my that's still in my brother's you know playroom from when I gave it to the oldest child and he's in college now, but the littlest ones are still playing with it. The fact that my signature is on the bottom of that, and they know that came from Uncle Cliff, you know that's that's that makes me feel good. Well, that. Mm-hmm. That almost speaks to like the thing is not the thing, right? Like, yeah. yes, it's a cool Lego table, and yes, it, it probably does. It serves yeah. a purpose, but that wasn't yeah. the gift, right? Like that. If oh you, yeah. If you move to an Etsy world where the product is the end result, right? Like that's yeah. where things get jacked up. But if it's the experience yeah. and the product together, mm-hmm. that's when I think you're starting to tap into something, something really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in and the sense that it that yeah that you have given part of yourself. So maybe you yeah. could buy a Lego table that is more like flush and like provides greater whatever. Yeah. But every time they play with that, they are connected with you yeah. in a way that they maybe hadn't. I mean, it's why <laughs> I have shirts from that someone gave me. Yeah. Uh, that that I have no connection with, but just this shirt. It's like a like a turkey trot shirt that like. Yeah a cousin gave me that I didn't yeah. run in and I don't even know if he ran in and maybe he didn't care about it, but there, I have this connection to it um, that connects me to that relationship. Yeah. And there's something about uh, that, both the process of making and the process of receiving something that has been made for you. Yeah. Uh, that ultimately is about the relationship. There's also for me, there's also something about when those rare occasions I get to buy something that really they couldn't have bought, or I make something mm-hmm. they really couldn't have bought, yeah. mm-hmm. um, at least not the way that I made it. So, like one of my one of my most touching moments came from about maybe about eight years ago. My brother calls me in the middle of the day. He's like, "Hey, your nephew needs to talk to you." And I'm like, "Oh man, what's going on?" So he's like, "What's up, buddy?" He's like, "Uncle Cliff, yeah, can you teach me about Dungeons and Dragons?" And I'm like. <laughs> Oh my goodness, my boy! Because like that—that that was never my brother's experience. My brother wasn't really into that. I was huge into that. So like that Christmas, I got him like six sets of dice, you know, and I, and I got him the books. But like in the years past that, like I made him 
like a dice table that looks like a little mini castle that he drops the dice in and it rolls out. And then I guess three years ago, I built him this huge dungeon master screen that covers up what he's working on, but it's made to look like a castle and rock and, and all this stuff. But like, you can't go to the store and buy that, you know, that, that, that had to be made, but like it was because he's willing to be the DM for his friends. I'm like, I want to equip you to do it as well as you can. Let me help build up this thing that you're trying to do. Um, and yeah, you, you, yeah, they have paper Dungeon Master screens in the store. But I'm like, not the way your uncle's going to make it for you. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, so yeah, those, those little things that you can do that are unique, that like are going to be one of a kind. Um, and, and, and even for things that I make for myself that are going to be one of a kind. Um, uh, can I reach it? So this is the beginning of a project I'm working on. R two, yep. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, nice. this is a the three D print of one section of the dome, um, and of incidentally, yeah. it takes about it takes about a day and a half for that piece to print out. Man, and there's six of them, and then you got to glue them together, and then all the other parts. Most people, if they're working nonstop, it takes them about a year to build one. This yeah. is going to take me more than a year, but yeah, like right. I yes. want, I want that unique thing for me. I want yeah. to be able to yeah. have. An R2-D2 in my house. Because I remember as a kid, and you may remember this or not, that they had like an inflatable R2-D2 that was remote Mm -hmm. controlled Mm -hmm. that you could move around. It was a big, I want a working remote control (laughs) R2-D2, and I will eventually have it. Um, I want a Ghostbusters proton pack. I will eventually build it. That's um, all I ever want. Like, like, like I've got I've got the plans downloaded. I've got the stuff. It's just again, it's finding time. And and if I have a choice between working on something for someone that I care about versus something that's just for me, the people I care about will win out. And my job mm-hmm. will win out. And my pa- mm-hmm. my my kids will win out. And my family will win out. But when I have those rare moments that I can work on something, I'm tinkering or making. Like um mm-hmm. <coughs> working on the, the 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 video game console thing that I'm working on uh, when I built the Plex server that was a that was a, the Plex server was it was one day to make the server but it was about two weeks and of and still it's an ongoing process I'm still ripping more of the media but that's mm-hmm. just a matter of you dump it in the the drive you let it run and you come back later um, mm-hmm. but still yeah it's just a matter of putting the time in to make this thing that you've envisioned and you want to see it take place and once it's done you know it works yeah, you know. I, well, and it's similar. We we talked at one point about we we did a episode on mixtapes, yeah, and how that uh, it's it's a representation of your time, but a representation of your intention for that person. You didn't just make mm-hmm. something and think, well, now who am I going to give it to? Like, yeah. maybe you've I mean you've done that probably for some things, but I'll, I'll, everything you've been describing here is it either been something you're making intentionally because you want it for yourself, or intentionally because you're thinking of of someone else when you're making it. Yeah, and there's something. Um, there's a there's a risk in that that you're putting all this energy into something that they may not want, mm, uh, mm-hmm. but if, if that's a relationship that where the that is not going to create the relationship, but if the relationship is already strong, sometimes it doesn't matter the quality, mm-hmm. uh, knowing the intention, yeah. uh, and that kind of as part of that, my question would be for all three of us: like, what is your favorite thing that you have that someone made for you? Hmm. And you already mentioned the 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 lion puppet, but like, yeah. what is something else? Um, and I mean, in all entry TikTok fashion, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, the, the, <laughs> I have, um, I have uh, hung up around my house. I have various posters and art and things like that. But in the most, the in the best frames that I have, 
like the fancy frames. I have framed pictures that my kids have drawn mm. and things that when you put them in a frame, it's amazing the, the quality to which it, it elevates and it feels like true art. But I, and I also want to put that in a place where I'm showing them that I value this, this thing that you drew in 30 minutes or whatever, or that you did in art class that, uh, I want to put this, uh, in, in the most precious place that I can, where I would put the most valued art. And every time that I see it, it, it makes me happy that, that, uh, that they made this thing that, that is beautiful. And it also makes me see it very differently. Cause uh, especially when you have little kids, you're just getting art and my kids are drawn all the time. So you, I, I have like folders and binders of stuff and I've recycled so much of the stuff that they've done because they just too, do too much. But when I'm able to, to take a moment to actually put it in a place where I'm going to recognize it, I can see both the beauty that they, and they've started making things intentionally for that purpose, like for, for me to hang up or for me to, to display somewhere. And, and the, uh, the ways in which I can uh, appreciate that uh, is elevated by the t by the way in seeing that they made this with intention, and I am now kind of appreciating it with intention. And it just again, it, in a way that's different than like a Star Wars poster or some painting that I got. Uh, it it connects me to the person rather than some just emotional experience and what a way to think about our relationship to creation as it comes from god mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to 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 not just look at it but to treasure it appreciate it want to take care of it want to show that you are appreciative of it to give it a place mm -hmm. of prominence yeah. uh yeah that's huge that is huge yeah oh i mean I, for me like I, i'm having a hard time thinking of anything but that puppet right now yeah. Um, but I'm remembering that not far from where it's sitting is another one of the great presents that came from my, my grandparents on the other side, which is I still have my first toolbox with the first tools in it. Wow. And these weren't kids' tools. These were real tools, like yeah. a real screwdriver, real chisel, real hammer um, that my my grandfather, uh, who was the the, the the more carpenter grandfather of mine who was actually unfortunately the first of my grandparents to pass away. Um, but yeah, he, they had one, one year gave both me and my brother, our first toolbox. Don't know if my brother still got his, I've got mine and it's, <laughs> it's out there with all my other tools. I've still got that toolbox. And, uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, some of my earliest woodworking projects are inside that toolbox. Um, that, yeah, that, but like it may not have been something he made. He gave me the means to make. And that's, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that alongside those puppet are probably two of my most treasured presents from grandparents that I've, mm -hmm. I, I got. Well, I really and my, like and the Atari 2600 the year I got. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> I, re I really like that notion as, uh, again, kind of, uh, thinking of it from a from a god standpoint of like the gift of i of allowing you to identify yourself as a creator mm -hmm. that like that you were given the tools to say you are now capable of creating i i so many of i mean we're in the christmas season buying presents for kids and things uh i i'm very aware of how much we intentionally try to buy gifts for my kids that are about creating stuff we get a lot of legos we get a lot of dominoes we get a lot of uh musical instruments or a lot of like drawing paraphernalia art paraphernalia because we want to uh not like force them but just really remind them that you have the ability to it's one thing to have a video game we do video games and stuff like that too where it's you're watching the story unfold but you're doing less of the creating but finding opportunities where 
um, you can create art, whether it's music or uh, design or art, like drawing or uh, the the amount of times my kids make their own videos with iMovie and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Really trying to push that sense. And even my son is now old enough that he's starting to make his own uh, videos that he, he really wants to make YouTube videos and we'll, we'll do it privately, but he'll do, he'll play Minecraft and do like a, a walkthrough and like just the editing that he does with that uh, is really seeing that creativity uh, even in the, the things that are just more kind of mainstream type YouTube type things now, but, but watching them uh, put that stuff together is, is really a gift. And so having that uh, the gift from your grandparents that is, you are you you can also create uh, mm-hmm. and and seeing god kind of say that with us that like but just the notion that god is inviting us into something that god doesn't need us to be participating in but god wants us to participate in almost like the bring your bring your child to work day mm-hmm. uh like i i don't need you here it actually kind of probably slows me down if you're here but i really want you to take part in what's yeah. going on i want i want you to to work work the to do, do the paint and, and, and work the wood and do all kinds of things to, to see that you can also uh, have a hand in, in creating something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, um, my, my gut answer. Um, so I, before I got ordained, I did a lot of mission travel uh, to Vietnam, Malawi, Haiti, uh, places like that. And every time you go somewhere like that, you should end up like getting some gifts from, from some of your hosts or whatever. And I just had this like pile of shirts and ties and stuff that didn't fit, but you know, you can't say no. So like, I just kept it. Um, and then my wife got in touch with another member of our congregation who owns a business just making pastoral stoles. Um, Mm -hmm. and so Sarah cut pieces of all the fabric from everywhere I'd been without telling me and sent it away to this friend. And she made my ordinary time stole, um, is like green, but it has pops of the tie dye from Haiti and the silk shirt from Vietnam. That is and awesome. It's super ra- Every time I wear it. And that's the other thing too. Like it, it, part of that whole, like you can't get it at a store or whatever. Every time I wear that green stole, someone will say, where'd you get that? And it's like, you can't have it. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is one of a kind, you know, like it, it's just, it's mine. Um, but it, it, it's beautiful that it draws that much attention. It's great that it's so steeped in story. Like I remember every single person that gave me all the pieces of it every time I wear it. Um, it's pretty sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a stole that someone made me uh, for Pentecost that on the reverse, it's Star Wars. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I'll, I'll wear it. And it's red on the outside, but then I'll, I like sometimes I'll just flip it in the service just to show people because I think it's funny. But I also like I know that it's there and I remember this person. And they like very clearly made it Star Wars just on the inside for me. I have someone who made one for me when I did her wedding just this past summer. Um, it's knitted. It's beautiful. It is not cool. It is a hot knitted <laughs> stole. And, like, and it was an outdoor wedding. And I'm like, I love this. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, and wow, is it making my chest burn up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll be great for, for cold weather. Yeah, cold weather will be great. Cold weather will be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's actually, too, I mean, like uh, the stories behind all those uh, we've talked before about liturgical gear and stuff like that, but um, this person, uh, Jenny Gallo is her name from my last congregation. She owns Carrot Top uh, is the name of the company that makes all these stoles. All of my stoles are from her, and my family, when I got ordained, each picked a liturgical season and like talked to Jenny about what they thought it should look like. Um, oh, wow. And so like every stole in my collection is, first of all, like the only one like it. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of people that have 
what I've got, but then it's also built in this story. And that's, I think that's piece of it too, right? Like it's not just, there's no story when you go on Etsy and buy something for someone, Mm -hmm. but when there's a story behind a gift or when there's, you know, Hey, this is something I love. You know, D and D is something I love growing up and now you're getting into it. Great here. I'm going to make all this for you. Like, even if someone made the same screen that you you're talking about and you could buy it in store, it still wouldn't have the story behind it or the relation behind it. Um, Mm. Just for the for the sake of bringing non pastors into it, a stole is the <laughs> yeah. like the like scarf like thing that a pastor will wear. That's usually a single color, um, and they they often have a uh, a color that's associated with the the liturgical season. Uh, traditionally, there's four colors or three colors depending on. It's green for ordinary time. Yeah. There, it's purple for the seasons leading into Easter and Christmas, so Lent and Advent, and then it's red for uh, usually for Pentecost that we wear that one the least and then white for like weddings or Easter or uh, sometimes funerals. And then there's blue if you just don't like wearing uh, purple twice a year. I was going to say, I like it, it is such a shame that the Pentecost, which for me have always been some of the most beautiful stoles, are the ones that we get to wear the least. That is why one time, yeah. <laughs> anybody that gets ordained and wants me to be part of their service, I'm like, yes, I will do it because you get yeah, to wear yeah, the, yeah. the Pentecost stole. Wear the red Pentecost stole and day. ordination services, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the one last question on it that, that I, I, I was talking to a teenager the other day about this who was asking about, you know, we're made in the image of God. It, does God, like, have a white beard and fingers and toes and stuff like that? And I'm always like, no, it just I think it means that we share characteristics in common with God. And this is the one I always reach for, right, that, that God is a creator to God's core. And I love creating stuff. Like, is there a connection for you when you're running – the 3d printer or when you're sitting at the lathe or like, does that become a spiritual experience for you in the making of it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, because there is such an unknown of how it is in fact going to turn out. Yeah. Right. I have, I have the most elaborate idea in my mind of how this should go, but there is no guarantee that that is where it will or should land. <laughs> um, with 3D printing, there's what we call the spaghetti factor, which is you leave it running and you come back and it's just a mess of spaghetti plastic everywhere because <laughs> something went wrong. And that you just got to scrap and start over. Yeah. But with wood, there's times that you're working and you're sanding and you're lathing, and all of a sudden you get into a place in the grain that you did not expect. There was a um, there's a bowl that I have turned that I still have to finish it. I've just got the rough cut on it. But as I was bringing it down, this streak of red in the grain that I did not see when I started turning it until I got down to it was revealed. And I stopped immediately. I, I went no deeper. I did not want to lose it by going deeper. But I'm like, oh my goodness, I never would have known this was in here until right. I got working. And now that it's revealed, I want to stop right here and because now the wood has told me, I have shown you what was possible, stop. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just sand me up, finish me off, <laughs> I'm done. I don't care how bad you wanted a smaller bowl, you got a big honking bowl with a red streak in it now, <laughs> and it's beautiful. Yeah. So stop. Um, so yeah, that just that mystery of things that, um, especially working with a natural material, 
that because it has flaws, because it has grain, because it has things that are outside of pristine, in theory, control, um, opens up the possibility of something beautiful you never expected. I always really like in, in that sense of like when you're really creating something that there's this, you have a partnership with the material mm-hmm. uh, and a partnership with, with uh, that, that you can't, you can say like at the beginning of this, I'm going to make a bowl and I want it to look like this. But oftentimes, even when we're doing with stuff like 3D printing, which does have a lot more precision to it, there's still some, some variables that we don't yeah. account for. And there, oh, yeah. that things often change the end product from what we started. And, oh, yeah. and the more, that that um, I always like the expression that the that perfect is the enemy of the good, yeah. and yeah. that when uh, so much of what I don't, so much of the energy that I don't put into making things is because I think oh, it's probably just not gonna it's not gonna turn out the right way. Uh, why I don't cook as much as I should is that I always think well a lot of times when I cook I get too adventurous and then everything just tastes like salt because I overseason <laughs> everything and like that's okay like you have to learn how to screw up before you can learn how to to be to make what you want to make and what, and really making what you want to make is being satisfied with what, what is made. Like you won't get better at making something if you aren't okay with making things that aren't that good. And then eventually they'll become better. But, uh, I think that uh, we are part of this whole larger thing that we were talking about earlier of not having, of of valuing our time so much that we just don't have time to make stuff is that why would I spend time making something bad when I can just buy it on Etsy and it's already good? And because the goal is not the product, the goal is, uh, or, or that the product is, the goal is not a perfect product. The goal is a product that you have a relationship with and that you can connect that relation. Like as you give it to someone, they partake of part of that relationship, that the hours that you put into that thing are now given to that person. And whether or not they, they understand the full story of what you made, that, that you know that story, and that, that they hopefully, if you have the right relationship with that person, can appreciate that when they're playing with the Lego and they drop the Legos under the table and they look under that table and they see Uncle Cliff has signed this, yeah. that they're reconnected to, to a story that's bigger than them. I'm going to tell you one more story along those lines of <laughs> you never know what could. And, this, and as a rock and roller, Jason, you may appreciate this. You're familiar with the Led Zeppelin song Heartbreaker, right? Yeah. Heartbreaker. yeah. You know how it has the way down, way down inside. Yeah. You yeah, know how they yeah. did that? You know how they did that? It was completely by accident. They had cheap mastering tape <laughs> and it bled the sound into the layer above it and the layer below it. And this, this iconic section of music Yep. that like is a staple for hard rockers everywhere was completely by accident. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they may years later, you know, there are ways to do that effect digitally now on purpose, right. but then it was an accident. And I'm certain when they first heard it, they thought, Oh crap, we have to start over. Again. <laughs> but in time, it has now become this iconic sound. That was something revealed that none of us could have expected. Um, yep. So yeah, it's always something new to be revealed. So uh, a question for Twitter. Uh, I like Tyler's question. I think that that prompted some good memories and some good stories. What is your favorite thing that someone has ever made for you? 
uh, as a gift? What 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 do you treasure? Uh, so that's a prime question for the Instagram. I know we've spent most of this podcast describing visual things that the three of us could see <laughs> and none of you can. So hop on the Instagram and uh, take a picture. Show us uh, Rough the Pastor is Instagram or Rough the Pastor's Twitter. Uh, I can never remember. Rough the Pastor's Twitter. Roughing, roughing the, pastor the Pastor's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Twitter's not as forgiving with the characters in terms of screen names. Yeah. <laughs> So send us a, a picture of that, and uh, yeah, we look forward. I think we should have Cliff on again. Uh, prob- oh, yeah. Probably to yeah, talk about uh, uh, TikTok, I think, is, is what we should yeah. do next. Yeah. And other things that were alluded to that maybe we'll get to later. <laughs> uh, I think uh, one other thing, too, I would say is, like, what is something that you are that you have created that you're not good at? Mm. but it hasn't daunted you like what what are some of your best mistakes what are some of the worst loaves of bread that you've baked what are some of the worst paintings that you've had what are some of the worst songs that you've written that have not stopped you from creating yeah because i think that that's the best uh it's like the shakira song from uh from zootopia try everything or uh, try anything try try everything (laughs) yeah which the whole point of it is I, I, I'm going to try and I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to keep on trying. And yeah. like, there's something so beautiful about that. And to be clear, her hips do not lie. So we know right. that we can take right. that to the bank. Uh, and I would assume her hips that, were with her when she recorded that. So that song hips, can't be her a Her hips wrote either. that song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but that the notion of like making mistakes as part of the process is kind of the whole the whole point. And again, I mean, getting into the whole larger theology our relationship with God is that our mistakes don't separate us from God. Our mistakes help us to understand the nature of our relationship. And when we can get past our mistakes and thinking that our mistakes are, are, are keeping God from loving us, that's when we can truly begin to, uh, when we get past that, we can truly begin to accept that, that God loves us and God equips us and God, God is okay with us making bad eggs. Uh, God just wants us to keep making omelets like that, that, and to keep creating whatever it is that, that, the spark that's in us to create that we would not think that our creations that, that what God is able to do through us is unworthy. So hop back in right. with us uh, for another episode next time. Wait, 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 before we go, uh, Cliff, do you have anything to plug and not necessarily your own stuff, but I mean, it could be your own stuff, but like any, any media things that, that you're excited about right now. First off, again, wait, your own stuff. Tell us again, where, how do we find you on TikTok? Uh, Revan geek, R E V N G E E K is nice. uh, where you can find me on TikTok, which is as well as on Twitter and on Instagram, but I don't do mm-hmm. as much stuff on Twitter. I do do Instagram, mm-hmm. but R-E-V-N-G-E-K. Um, yeah, those are the, those are the, that's the main thing I'm doing right now as far as alternative media stuff. Uh, and from there, you can find links to my YouTube channel and or the church YouTube channel where we're doing our services and everything. All of our services are streamed. Um, and right now I'm, Oh, I'm in the middle of editing our synods after Christmas uh, worship service and have a few other things that are still in the percolating stage that I hope to reveal in the new year. That's that's about it. Uh, Jay, anything to plug? I I was thinking about it, and I'm going to do an anti-plug. With the asterisk that... drain? Yeah, I don't like it. I'm going to drain this one. Uh, With the asterisk that there's much problematic with it, I've always loved James Bond movies. Uh, uh, yeah, it's something that's, that's the media I inherited from my parent, from my dad, especially. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, the other night I was up late and I, I downloaded, uh, no time to die. The last Daniel Craig bond movie. 
Mm -hmm. What a disappointment. It was so bad. And I, I like, I, it was just good enough that I spent all night going, it's going to get better, right? And then yeah, I, yeah. then the credits rolled at 1am and I was like, menace syndrome. yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, so mm. if you hadn't already slept bad. on the James Bond movie phenomenon, no time to die is not a place to jump in. <laughs> So it's not a time to die. No, it it, it was yeah. it was time for that movie to die. Like there was plenty of time for that one to not exist. But oh. well, I have a plug. I have a plug for a show that's that's old and and done. Uh, but I just I and I I've been meaning to get on it for a very long time, and I just started getting on it. I, I binged through a season and a half in the last week and a half of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm. It is it is excellent. Hi. High recommend. Yeah, it's made by Michael Shore, who did The Good Place and Parks and Rec and was one of the showrunners on The Office. And it is like very much in line with the tone of those shows, the better the better parts of the tone of those shows. It's great. It's As with uh, particularly Parks and Rec and The Good Place, it's just a show watching a, a group of people love each other. Yeah. Like it's, it's really, really great. It's all about community and everybody has their time to shine and they all kind of have their place in that community. And it's, it's really, it's, it's a wonderful show. Very fun. So, and it's all on Hulu right now. So you can watch all eight seasons, I think, seven seasons. So highly recommend. Maybe that'll cleanse the palate of James Bond for me. You know, indeed, indeed. Nine nine. Well, I've been Jay. And I've been Tyler. I've been Cliff. And, and this, this has is been Rubbing the, the Pastor. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.